Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. said life is a highway and I'm going to ride it all night long. Come on, stand to your feet. You doing good? Praise God. If you're joining us online, come on, lean in, stretch your faith and just believe that God's got something for you today. God wants to speak to you today. Come on, would you close your eyes with me and just believe God? Jesus, I declare over your people, your sons, your daughters, your men, your women, your families, those watching online, those in this auditorium, those children in our kids' space. I declare your strength and your favour, your blessing over their lives in every way. God, would you take these natural moments and put your super on it? Do only what you can do, Father. And as I prayed for myself today, that I'd be clothed in Your armour, I pray for Your people today, that they would be clothed in Your armour, that they would be filled with Your Spirit, that they would have a spirit of faith on them, that they would be equipped for the works of the ministry, that their families and homes would flourish and it would grow, that a fresh oil from heaven would flow in this place, I pray, in the mighty Name of Jesus. Come on, declare this with me. Say, I can overcome. We will overcome. I am a child of God. And today I'll receive the Word of God in the powerful name of Jesus. And the church alive, good looking, said. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, worship team. Grab your seats, guys. Man, can we give Anthony Holmes a, a hand clap for that incredible word? It's not every time you get a standing ovation and an offering talk. You know, I want to uh, just thank him personally. uh, He's really kind of the CFO of our church and does so much for our church behind the scenes. And uh, just amazing to see your growth and your faithfulness and so appreciate you, man. And and I wanted to say to Derek, um, Derek got diagnosed cancer last year. Was it last year? And then went on a 30-day pray, God, I need you, stirred faith, heard healing scriptures over and over again. And I just want to just encourage you, man, just love how you serve, love how you pray, love how you love people, love how you encourage people. Um, He's just a great guy and um, it's great to have him in the house. And um, oh yeah, and he was healed. Yeah. (laughs) Good mind. Carlo and Caleb, by the way, proud of you guys. I don't know why I was thinking about you guys. I saw some post on Facebook to do with how well you're doing with business, Caitlin. And, and uh, I just want to say proud of you guys. And uh, looking sharp, by the way, Carlo. Looking sharp, brother. Well, I had a different talk for you today, but I just felt restless in it and didn't feel like it was the one I wanted to deliver. And so I changed it. So it may not be the cutest sermon you've ever seen but it'll be the most needful for the time. 
That's what I believe. The title of my talk is Life is a Garden. Life is a Garden. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. This is in the Message Bible. It says this. At about the same time, Jesus left the house and sat on the beach. And in no time at all, a crowd gathered along the shoreline, forcing him to get into a boat. Using the boat as a pulpit, he addressed his congregation telling stories. What do you make of this? A farmer planted seed and as he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road and birds ate it. Some fell on the grave, uh, sorry, in the gravel and it sprouted quickly but didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds and as it came up, it was strangled by the weeds, but some fell on good earth. Someone say good earth. And produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. We're going to skip some verses and verse 18 goes on like this. It says, study this story of the farmer planting seed. When anyone hears news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface. And so the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of that person's heart. This is the seed the farmer scatters on the road. The seed cast in the gravel, this is the person who hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm, but there is no soil of character. Someone say character. And so when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there is nothing to show for it. The seed cast in the weeds is the person who hears the kingdom news, but weeds of worry and illusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun strangle what was heard and nothing comes of it. The seed cast on good earth is the person who hears and takes in the news and then produces a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. Recently, I was gardening in my backyard and I've been doing a lot of gardening because literally we did a bit of construction in our house and all of our grass was covered with, with basically rocks and, and soil and so there was no grass. It's kind of like, if you ever went and walked outside your house and you're like, okay, there's a nice bit of dirt. That was really my house. And uh, so for a couple of days, I've been raking and I actually had a guy come help me and I thought it was gonna take two hours and it took nine hours. And I'm like, what in the world? How long does gardening take? Let me tell you how long gardening takes. More than you think. It just takes more than you think. You think you sweat when you go to the gym. No, you sweat when you garden. What's with gardening? You're just weeding. And if you're ever like wearing sunglasses, my sunglasses are pouring sweat. And it truly is what the Bible says, you shall toil the ground with the sweat of your brow. And I'm like, my goodness, Lord, what is, I barely ever sweat so much as when I'm gardening. And I think I had to pick up like 60 bags of 40 pound of dirt. And, and at first I thought I needed 10 bags. And then I went back, I needed 20. And then I needed 10. And then I needed 20. And then I needed another 10. And the lady at Lowe's bet me if I come back again, I owed her a coffee. <laughs> And I lost the bet. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe how many times I've been going and, and I've been raking. And, and the more I rake, like the more rocks show up. I'm like, I'm trying to rake it and make it nice. And they just show, where are these rocks coming from? And then the other day, just yesterday, I asked my kids to help me, which is always the will of God. And, and, and how many know that kids need to help you? Kids need chores. Don't ever feel bad about giving your kids chores. That is the will of God. If you're, a, if you're over the age of like two, you need chores, don't you? You just need them. 
Because one day you'll grow up and go, thank God, Daddy and Mummy gave me some chores to do. Otherwise, I'd be a lazy bum. And my kids, their sole job was to pick rocks. I felt like I was a prison warden. I was like, go in the yard and pick rocks. And they literally picked rocks everywhere. And now I'm simply looking at my yard this morning and I looked outside my window and there was these little birds. Cute little birds, aren't they? Cute, cute. Don't you love birds? Don't you love them? Aren't they pretty, aren't they? No, they're thieves. That's what they are. They steal my money. That's what they're doing. They're literally taking money out of my pocket. Everyone's like, oh, birds. No, birds are demonic. Jesus said, then the birds came. They came yesterday and they came today. And if you have a BB gun, come over my house. That's good preaching. (laughs) Give myself a pat on the back. But let me suggest this to you today, that life is a garden, but it's not a fairy tale. Because don't you kind of desire this, oh, Jesus, that's so nice. Like, it's a garden and strawberries and there's avocados there and there's mangoes there and and you get to plant what you want to plant and I get to plant what... And and Jesus tells this story and he says, when anyone hears the kingdom, the news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface. And so the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of that person's heart. It's a garden, but it's not a fairy tale. It's interesting that Jesus used the garden illustration which speaks of beauty, but then all of a sudden he, he invites and gives a very clear picture that there is an evil in the garden. Just like there was an evil in the garden in Genesis 3. There is an evil in the garden many times trying to just grab your mind and grab your soul. See, He came to steal, didn't He? Thieves don't steal valueless items. They steal that which has the most value. Here's the thing, the enemy is not after your bank account. He's after the Word of God and the preaching of the Kingdom of God so you don't become more like Him. See, He is the enemy of God and because you are made in the image of God, He is therefore, He has made you His enemy. And He comes to steal the message of the Kingdom of God because He doesn't want it producing fruit in your life. Now, some Christians, it's funny, I was talking to Derek this morning and... um, he was like, you know, I used to over-spiritualize everything. And there is this weird tension within Christianity that we over-spiritualize everything or we under-spiritualize everything. Yeah. It's, it, isn't it true that everything's the devil or nothing's the devil? Yeah. And you're kind of like, you kind of think the devil is like only in like Satan worship. But no, he's in the garden. And the garden is earth and the garden is your life and the garden is everywhere. And Jesus says the kingdom of God, it came and immediately the birds came. Those thieving, they look cute. And most of the time, see, here's the truth. I'm not worried about our church becoming Satan worshippers. I'm really not. I don't just go, oh my goodness, if he leaves the church, he's going to become a Satan worshiper. 
He's going to worship Lucifer. No, actually, sometimes my concern as I pray for our church and as I read the Word of God, it's not that we become Satan worshippers, it's that we'll become self-worshippers, self-focused, self-realisation, self-actualisation, self-development, self-image, your truth. See, here's the, here's the core truth. Ignoring the enemy of our soul and living like he doesn't exist is very unwise. Why? Because Jesus taught us in the daily prayer, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me today my daily bread. Forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me and lead me not into temptation, but, and we kind of skip this bit like, but, but deliver me, which means set me free from evil. So if Jesus thought it was a daily prayer, maybe it needs to be a daily prayer because it's a daily struggle. And maybe it's more subtle than you and I think. See, when Adam and Eve fell, they didn't get a Satan church going. They just violated his boundary. They simply just stepped into and violated his boundary. They simply made their own moral. They simply just stepped into and said, God, I'm no longer listening to you. I'm listening to me. And that's how evil came in. So how does evil come in? When you and I pull down his standards and pull down his word and we elevate ourselves over it. And you're like, I'm not Satan worshipping. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. He says, you cannot, here's, hear this now. He says, you cannot serve God and money. He says, you'll love the one or hate the other. But the, his word money is actually this Greek word mammon. And it's the God of money. So he says, you'll serve one or the other. Which means this, if I'm not worshipping and I'm not serving Jesus, I end up serving something else, which is often just self. But what's behind the God of self? What is behind the God of self? Who's luring you into the God of self? Self-actualization, self-image, self-esteem. All of those things have some good. Haven't you noticed that a lot of the things have good? How many know that? Looking in sometimes is sometimes how you discover your gift. But what if God's called you outside of what you are actually gifted in? Moses was not a gifted communicator, but God had called him to be the communicator. Gideon was not naturally strong, but God had called him to be strong. Do you feel that journey that sometimes you can look at your gift, but maybe God doesn't want to use your gift? Maybe God wants to use your weakness so that you depend on Him. There was a man of God by the name of John Wimber. I think he's gone to be with the Lord and he had a musical gift. He was a professional musician and when he got saved, he got radically, radically saved. He actually helped start something called the Vineyard Movement which went all over the world and God asked him to lay down his music gift. And he said, I never touched it after that, but out of his church came vineyard worship, which touched actually the world. 
So he wasn't meant to, for some reason, use that gift. He was meant to lay that gift down, but then he was meant to empower that gift within his church. Isn't that good? Listen to what 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul speaking, says this. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the, sake, oh, sorry, in the sight of Christ for your sake. Verse 11, in order that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not unaware. We are not unaware. I'm trying to make someone aware today. We are not unaware of his schemes. Because the previous verse is talking on forgiveness, I have to then go, what is this verse talking about? His scheme is unforgiveness. His scheme is getting you tied to the past. His scheme is getting you disappointed with people. His scheme is getting you mad at certain people. He's doing a pretty good job. On social media, isn't he doing a pretty good job? Just look at it, you're like, oh, he's doing a good job. For we are not unaware of his schemes. Pastor, I love your church and I love Church Alive and I've been here like a year or two years. But I just want to let you know that one day you'll get offended at someone. I promise you. You'll get upset at someone. And then you'll go, oh, I hate that church. (laughs) Stephanie didn't sing the the song I wanted her to sing. (laughs) I saw Timmy in the foyer and he he avoided me. (laughs) I went to that transform group once and they didn't talk about what I wanted to talk about. You know how some people want you to lead a church? Take a poll and talk about my favorite issues. Many years ago, I was talking about Believe and Build and I was talking about how God wanted to grow our church and I got feedback from someone that he didn't like it. So he left. I was thinking about it. I was like, well, maybe I should have never talked about Believe and Build. But if I never talked about Believe and Build, we wouldn't be here. So we'd been setting up and tearing down somewhere and we wouldn't have grown and we would have capped and we would have gone, God, grow the church! Because if I listen to that one person, about his pet thing, but how many know, normally if I'm talking about your pet thing, how many know that's a rock in your soil? And God wants to rake it out. And he's trying to get the rocks out. But but you have to soften your heart. And you have to say, man, there's rocks. Let me tell you, as I was raking my soil this week, I was like, "There's, there's way more rocks than I thought. And I kept thinking to myself, guess what? That's like the Christian life. (laughs) There's way more rocks in you than you think are in you, but God wants to rake them out of you and He's not hurting you. He's just trying to get to some good soil. Why do you have challenges sometimes in your marriage? Because there's more rocks in you than you think are in you. (laughs) 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Verse 11 says, put on the full armour of God. Someone say, put it on. on. Come on, say, put it on. Put on on the full armour of God. Why would I need an armour in the garden? Because there's a war in the garden. It's a bit extreme, Anthony. Paul says, by the Holy Spirit, put on the full armour of God. So that you can take your stand. Someone say stand. Stand. Against the devil's schemes. Gosh, the Bible keeps bringing up the devil. It's awkward. I just want to hear about the promises of God and the blessings of God. I just want to hear about those things. And I just want to tell you today that opposed to the promises of God is this evil. And subtle a lot of people were freaking out recently when a guy made some shoes. If you throw them up on the screen, yeah. They're like, oh my gosh, he's worshipping Satan. Let's boycott Nike and all this kind of stuff. And if you want to, you can. But here's the thing. Again, that most of the time is not what evil looks like. Evil is way more subtle. Way more subtle than that. You know, when Judas betrays Jesus, there is a woman worshipping him with a one year's wage and he gets the most indignant and the most upset. And he says this, shouldn't that have been for a year's wages or to help the poor for a year? You can take him up. He's staring at me. I was was like, stop staring at me. And isn't it though interesting that it's then that Judas leaves to betray Jesus. And Satan entered him when he got offended around worship. And he got offended around money. And then all of a sudden he's like, right, that's it. I didn't get mine. Let me go get mine. And he betrays Jesus. Notice that the Bible says, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. It's not like if it comes, it's just when it comes. When it comes at work, when it comes with your friends sometimes, when it comes with temptation, when it comes to gossip, when it comes, when it comes. It does come, haven't you noticed? It seems to come. Haven't you noticed that the world we live in is just always calling your name sometimes? Yeah. It's calling you. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> and the more you listen, it's like the louder it gets. That's why the Bible says, put on the full armour of God, the helmet of salvation. Think like you're saved. Renew your mind. The breastplate of righteousness. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My loins gird about with truth. That's really about your living truthfully around the area of sexuality. The shield of faith that protects you. Why is your faith so important? Because you need a shield. Why is coming to the house of God so important? Because you need a shield. 
Why is learning the Word of God so important? Because you need a sword. Every person that I know that stays strong in the Lord eventually decides I have to find time to get in His Word. I have to find time to get in His Word. Every person that I know that has a faith that I would want to copy eventually at one point decides I have to be in the house of God. You don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Well, who told you that? Now, going to church doesn't make you a Christian, but I'm assuming that if I'm a Christian, that I'd want to do what Christ does. And therefore, since He's building the church, wouldn't I be about building His church? Wouldn't I be about building His people? Wouldn't I be about building a family that's a family based on faith and hope and love? Life is a garden. Listen to what Psalm 19 says. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Now watch this now. But who can discern their own errors? I love the scripture, say error. Forgive my hidden faults. Say hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. Someone say willful sins. May they not rule over me, then I'll be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Someone say great transgression. I want you to see the progress here from an error, which is what? A mistake. When you error, you err, you trip, you fall. What do you do? You get back up again. Tessa got nervous. She thought I was actually falling. (laughs) Then after a while, if you keep on erroring, what do you do? You kind of hide it. You put it behind a veneer. Just hide it. it. Says hidden faults. And then it says willful sins. Eventually, when you hide things long enough, eventually you just like stuff it. Do what I want. Willful. It's not wrong. Willful. I will do what I want. I. I will do what I want. I'm in charge. I'm the boss. Don't tell me what to do. What's that? It's pride, isn't it? In Isaiah 14, Lucifer wanted self-worship. He wanted to be the king and he wanted to elevate himself above God and that's what got him kicked down to earth. And then he tempts Adam and Eve and he tempts all of us Not for Satan worship, but for self-worship. I will do what I want. What does he do in the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come. Are you feeling this? Thy kingdom come. That's that's taking me off the throne. That's putting Jesus on the throne, isn't it? Isn't that kind of what I'm doing? I'm I'm saying your kingdom come, your rule, your reign, your righteousness, your peace, your blessing, your grace, your joy over my life. And I'm saying not my kingdom, your kingdom. Not my rule, your rule. Not my way, your way. This is the lifestyle of a Christian. This is the lifestyle of a pastor. This is the lifestyle of a Christian. Your kingdom come in my money. Your kingdom come in my time. Your kingdom come in my relationships. Your kingdom come. And sometimes that hurts, but it's just rocks. 
God's trying to get the rocks out and you're fighting it and go, oh. But he says in Hebrews 3, he says, when you hear his voice, it says, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. It says, as you did in the desert and they wander around for years. There's this overwhelming thing. I think it's five to six times in the book of Hebrews. I might be wrong on, on what I'm saying there. It's at least three or four, but I think it's five or six. It says, don't harden your heart. He's speaking to Christians. Don't harden your heart. Why? Here's what I found when you harden your heart. You don't know how long it'll be hard for. You think it'll be short. No, no, no. You think you'll you you have a, 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 you know what, I'm just gonna skip church for two months. Then I'll come back. No, you'll be gone for five years. I'm just gonna do it my way tonight. No, it's gonna be there for weeks and months and years. Because haven't you noticed that sin is seductive and sin lures you and I and, 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 it's one thing to error, it's another thing to hide it. That's why you need to be in a, a transformed group, but a group with people where you literally go, hey, I'm struggling with this. Now it's no longer hidden. Someone else knows. Isn't it weird that we are good with telling God, but not other people? And He's perfect. Then Jesus told them another parable in Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. What's up with Jesus in gardens? He just keeps on saying the same thing. Life is a garden. And then verse 25, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed winds among the wheat and he went away. Life is a garden, but it's not a... It's not a garden of just beauty and beautiful fruit. It's a garden where there's a war. And there's a garden where there's a battle. And I just felt like on this simple talk that God wants to get your attention. To say this. It sometimes feels like hard work dealing with the rocks in your mind and the rocks in your heart. But it's worth it. Because if you want a beautiful faith, if you want a beautiful garden, if you want a beautiful marriage, if you want purpose and destiny that sits in your soul, God will have to deal with lots of rocks. He will have to deal with them, but He's not against you. He is for you. You know, I love my kids. And yesterday I said to my daughter, I asked her to do something for me. I was like, honey, can you come here? She's five. And then she came and then I didn't answer her right away. And she looks at me and goes, what daddy? <laughs> it is amazing how much I love my kid, but it is amazing how quickly I will oppose her if she gives me attitudes like that. Does that mean I don't love her? No, it means I love her. So I will oppose her attitude and I will oppose what she's doing and I will send her to timeout and I will, I'll do what's necessary to oppose that attitude. 
This is why the Bible says, humble yourselves before the Lord, because God wants to give you grace and God wants to give you favour. But what does He do? He opposes your attitude. He's not opposing you, He's opposing that thing in you. Are you hearing me? He's opposing a thing. He's opposing an attitude. He knows that'll cause a hardness of heart. So He opposes you. God opposes the proud. But He gives grace to the humble. You know, Yesi Potom, I was talking to him a couple of years ago. And he said this line. It was just me and him were just kind of getting coffee and just talking over the table. And he said, true spirituality said is humility because on the highway of the humble there is every blessing that God has for you in the garden of the humble God will rain down His favour and His grace it's like have you ever seen that sunshine come in after rain it's like the sunshine comes in and there's rain and there's mist and it's beautiful and it smells nice and fresh that's God's grace over your garden when you just humble yourself come on all across this place would you close your eyes Holy Spirit I pray that you would take this message and I pray Spirit of God for anyone just dealing with hardness of heart I pray where there's weeds, I pray where there's rocks. I pray, Lord God, in their mind, in their heart, that Your love would penetrate that and You would show them how to deal with it. I pray, Lord God, that they would just bring it to You and say, Father, I I trust You again. I trust You with my life again. I trust You with my decisions again. I, I trust You with the disappointments. I trust You with everything, God. I trust You with my future. God, make my life the kind of place where it bears incredible fruit. Spirit of God. Pour out your grace. Pour out your favour. Let it be like a refreshing rain on the souls of your people. Fill us, I pray with the Holy Spirit. Let the armour of God get on people today and let it stay on them. Help them value it, help us value it. I pray, Lord God, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. just in a fresh way just surrender to the Lord surrender to His goodness surrender where He wants to deal with you surrender into His touch let a fresh oil from heaven come upon your life right now as we just surrender Shepherd some people back in in a safe environment, God. Thank you. 
eyes are closed. If you're in this place right now and say, Pastor Anthony, I don't know if I know Christ. I don't know if I know Jesus. I believe in God. But my question to you would be, have you surrendered your heart to Him? Have you said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Be my Saviour. Has there been a moment in time when you truly declare, Jesus, I believe in you, I trust in you. And if there has not been that moment, I would love to just say a simple prayer. The, the prayer can be meaningless, but it can be so powerful. The prayer is that moment where your heart connects to God. The Bible says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, if anyone, if anyone hears my voice, I will come in and hang out with him. Our job is to open the door. We're going to pray a simple prayer and that prayer will lead you to Christ. To open the door of your heart to Him. We're going to pray it as a church family and I'm going to ask you if you're online, if you're going to pray this with me. Come on, pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, I receive You. I turn to You. I trust in You. I give You permission to take out the weeds, to take out the rocks, so that I might bear fruit. I ask from this day that I would follow You, that I would know You in an intimate way. I turn to You with all of my life. Thank You, Jesus, for paying the price on the cross for my sin, my mistakes, I receive you. While eyes are closed, all across this place, if you've been in business with God, would you quickly raise your hand, raise it up high so I can see it. All across this place, raise your hand, raise it up high. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else today? Thank you. That's awesome today. Thank you. That's awesome today. Thank you. Why don't you put your hand up? You can put your hand down. That's great. That's awesome. Father, I thank you for every hand. I thank you for every life. But I pray more than anything else that you would plant them in your divine purpose. You would protect them and watch over them. You would keep them. Lord, fill, I pray, again, your people with a spirit, Lord, that is of faith, not of shrinking back. Lord, in the name of Jesus, and all of God's people said, Amen.